0: Let's listen now for a word of God, some verses from the 40th chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah. A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all people shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice cries, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers. The flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will endure forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. God does not faint or grow weary. God's understanding is unsearchable. God gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and even the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint." Here ends the reading, the grass withers, the flower fades, indeed, but the word of our God endures forever, amen. What a good thing it is to return each year for this brief encampment among our roots in this shrine to our many founding stories, the national, the political, the ecclesiastical, the spiritual, the moral. The corner of Washington and Milk Streets in what used to be Mary Norton's yard is a good vantage point from which to contemplate our future. I'll explain. Let's start out not that long ago, but quite far away. On a certain day in 1947, a young Bedouin shepherd called Muhammad the Wolf, having a listless afternoon along the Western shore of the Dead Sea, lobbed a stone into a cave up among the cliffs above and heard the smashing of pottery, and so quite accidentally made one of history's greatest contributions to the study of the roots of our faith. Eventually, more than 800 manuscripts preserved in earthenware jars were found in 11 different caves including copies of some biblical texts that are fully a thousand years older than any copy that was previously known to exist. Today, these Dead Sea Scrolls are housed in a museum in Jerusalem called the Shrine of the Book. On a certain day a few years ago, while I was on sabbatical in Jerusalem, I set off for that shrine A little bit i confess with my teeth on edge the idea of a shrine of the book sounded like borderline idolatry to me the literature of our faith was never meant to be the object of our faith so i crossed the museum threshold with my resistance in gear but what stopped me in my tracks in the long corridor and took my breath away was not a scroll or one of those pottery jars, or any of the maps and timelines, it was a shoe. Sitting on red velvet in a glass case was an ordinary woman's shoe, carbon dated reliably to around the year 135 of the common era. The little card beside that simple leather sandal explained that it belonged to a woman named Babitha. We know, we know her name because the sandal was found in one of the caves next to a small leather pouch containing her personal documents, her will, a deed to some property, a prenuptial agreement. The fragments of writing in that pouch suggest that Babitha's home was Ion a town a bit to the south along the shore of the Dead Sea. In about the year 135, Ayan Gedi was the center of a valiant but short-lived Jewish rebellion against the brutal rule of the Roman Empire. And when the tide of that uprising Turned against the Jews, they fled for their lives into the arid hills to hide in the caves above the shores of the Dead Sea, taking with them whatever they could hope to preserve of their culture, their literature, their religion. The copies of our sacred texts, the book of Isaiah, for instance, and all but one of the other books of the Hebrew Bible, the books that were hustled up into the caves for safekeeping are now the oldest manuscripts we have of any of that timeless literature. And Babitha must have grabbed her own personal papers too as she fled. The documents in her pouch are written in Greek, in Aramaic, and in the ancient Nabataean language, leaving open the distinct possibility that she was at least trilingual. But with what burden of urgency or fear did she flee to that cave? How long did she have to stay hidden there? And what caused her finally to leave without her precious papers? And was it in haste, or terror, or surrender? perhaps wearing only one shoe as whatever it was happened. And the shoe and the pouch that she left behind, like like a piece of hand luggage floating on the ocean near where the plane went down. Like someone's papers left on a desktop in the middle of some bit of business that was never finished because of an interruption that turned out to be permanent. What is history trying to whisper in those intimate scraps of someone's life left behind? The scrolls of the Dead Sea are certainly the great treasure of those caves, but Babitha's shoe was, to my eyes, the great revelation. Even before I quite understood what I was seeing, as I wandered further along the museum corridor, I was surprised to find that what was welling up inside me, of all things, was gratitude, thanksgiving. Finally, at the far end of the long hall, I stood before the huge display case that contains the consummate find of those caves, the great scroll of the oldest known manuscript of the entire book Of Isaiah pressed up against the glass and picking my way through the Hebrew as best I could remember it from years before in seminary I found my way to the verse that I love beyond all other poetry in the world you shall go forth in joy and be led forth in peace The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands." And I began to understand the lens through which I was seeing. And I think it might be the same lens we're looking through this morning here in our own shrine of sorts. Babatha's shoe and her pouch of papers testify to the existence of one particular ordinary human being who decided to do things that helped to place in our hands across a gulf of time two millennia wide an infinitely precious gift. Words of promise that abide as an indelible sign of the presence of God made visible in courage and tenacity through all the accidents of history and all its brutality. Perhaps Babitha herself didn't save the, idea, the great Isaiah scroll, but someone did, and if it wasn't her, it might as well have been. Her shoe is an icon of the tender providence of God working through an ordinary and almost nameless life to preserve words of instruction, words of conscience, words of hope, like manna in a desert of history, preserving them for almost 2,000 years of days. One day after another, wind and sun, and rain, war, and peace, down the long corridor of days, to some distant day where someone could dine again on words which were meant to be eternal, if only some combination of providence and courage could enable them to survive the ravages of violence and indifference. Mary Norton is One name we happen to know. Her largesse made possible the construction of a meeting house for Old South Church when, at least for a little while, Old South Church was the new thing that God was doing in this city. And her legacy down the corridor of years would go on to sustain the leaders who stood first here, then over in the back bay, And told the truth as they saw it. The truth, even when it was a hard, important truth. Passed on the good news as they'd come to know it. In her wildest company that she'd have stopping by. Down through the ages at her house on this corner. It's the corner of Washington and milk streets, the place where the celebrated meets the generic, the intersection of the named and the invisible. The name Washington, almost a shrine in itself, stands beside the name milk, the name of a commodity with Countless laborers standing namelessly, invisibly behind it, people who made everyday sustenance possible. Oh, there are bright, famous flowers that bloom perennially in Mary Norton's garden, and we can see them in the glass cases of today. But the vitality of what was planted here all those generations ago is, as Kate said, down in the roots, sustained by the milk of human kindness, the milk of Christian kindness. A few years ago, at our house, we had a long disused fireplace restored and relined for use. When the mason that we hired opened up the wall around the hearth, he found A woman's shoe, carefully placed behind the layers of plaster and lath. He told us it wasn't the first one he'd found in an old house. Apparently, house builders of a certain era often used to seal a shoe inside a new wall for luck and blessing. By my calculation, in the year that that shoe went into the wall of that house, this congregation had already lived nearly two centuries of its history in what was once Mary Norton's yard and was about to move to a spiffy new Back Bay address. Well, I don't know whether any of the stewards of either building, this one or that one, have ever turned up any shoes or other tokens by which our forebears might have tried to leave us a blessing. But the revelation of Babatha Shu reminds us that you don't need to see them to know that they're there, especially if you can't name them. Some particular people moved by some combination of urgency and hope and fear and love for a people in the future that they'd never know. Some particular people left what they could to try to keep the movement alive. In spite of everything, because it mattered that much. These shrines of ours, of course, are full of those shoes. This one is ringed and crisscrossed with little dotted lines of the brave journeys of people who sought refuge in this cave, beside this hearth. Some, like the ones we remember on Middle Passage Sunday, some are people whose names history is hardwired to forget or erase. So we fight to pull their names from our roots into the light to help us all grow. And for every name we know, there are countless names we'll never know people who brought scraps of their lives and labors to church and found resilience in the company of others, pooling such faith as they had in the face of terrible times, sometimes, and at other times, in spite of an equally terrible pressure not to care, not to bother. Their footsteps, hallow this place with devotion to the surpassing company of one, the thong of whose sandal not one of us may be worthy to untie, but one who nonetheless put on his shoes to walk beside us and taught us to persevere, one who calls us together still to find strength in his company and in one another's company around the hearth of this house." his house but these treasures of word music sacrament story they don't just walk into the future by themselves they only arrive at the threshold of another generation if someone carries them we're always just one generation away one distraction one crisis one shrug of indifference away from leaving the scroll behind the view from the lofty vantage point of accumulated legacies the view looking back is inspiring but what about the view looking forward what happens if we don't mobilize or motivate ourselves to carry what we have treasured of this liberating, world-changing good news to the threshold of a next generation? What happens if, in the name of our own safety or comfort or convenience, we forget to bring the vessels that hold the meaning that got us here? One of the leaves of the great Isaiah scroll Babitha and her friends preserved has a verse which reads, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the one who brings good news, who announces peace, who announces salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. Listen, your sentinels lift up their voices together. They sing for joy. So beautiful are all those feet that have marked the way to here, which have kept alive the grace that now tumbles, sometimes by accident, into our hands. So that on a certain day in November, In another turbulent year, we come back to cast our eyes about looking for the invisible but unmistakable footprints. They're not here by accident. And they are not here because the geometry of the universe required it. Oh, no. They are here because particular people bearing some combination of fear and urgency and hope and love some with remembered names, but most not. Some particular people followed their own feet and made here and over there not a shrine of the book, not a shrine of the meeting house, or of the shoe either, but a movement. Grounded in their vivid experience of the company of Jesus and how much it matters, how much difference it makes, a movement that still needs to be kept alive in spite of all the odds. They left here, those particular people, if we'll look for it, a blessing. And by here, I don't mean here. I mean here. You shall go forth in joy and be led forth in peace." And what is history trying to whisper in those intimate scraps of someone's faith left with us? Well, look down at your own feet. Really, do it just for a second. Someone's shoes, an icon of the life of Christ walking on through our time are, of course, our shoes now. And it's time to tell the truth as you've seen it, time to pass on the good news as you've come to know it. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God and they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. The faith we ordinary people keep today will be a priceless treasure to people we'll never know, who on some certain day will look and find the prints of our feet near the intersection of the celebrated and the ordinary and say, how beautiful, how beautiful. Amen.